Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Hello and welcome back to a 4 a.m. What time is it, Marcus? 420. 420. What a start to the offseason. It is 420 a.m. in TD Garden, Boston. Uh, last Warriors All-82 podcast of the year. Cause so technically it's Friday, and I know you don't smoke, but I'm going to get you high today. <laughs> Chris Tucker from Friday. There I'm, was I'm Ice Cube in that situation, though. you you more smoky than me. Okay. There was a lot of alcohol consumption and cigar smoke filling the Boston Garden. Uh, I mean, look, we don't. The Warriors won the title. <laughs> They've won a fourth title in the last eight years. This is the first one since 2018. Um, you know, we don't need to get into all the the mechanics of Game Six and how they won. At this point, I do not have a box score in front of me. We don't need it. You basically just get to the celebration. Essentially, it's Howard Beck wanders over are for we are now yes we are podcasting at 4 20 a.m how I are you it. how are you howard hello warriors fans i'm tired i'm wiped i'm ready to collapse these two should be also you should appreciate the sheer dedication that marcus thompson and anthony slater have to be giving you guys a podcast at this hour on no sleep after a very long season so and now you get a writer's credit yeah. Do I get royalties or something? That'd be Not great. You get sub credit on the, <laughs> on the uh, athletics. Right. So congrats. Uh, continue potting. Uh, safe travels. I'm out. All right. Howard Beck. <laughs> Howard Beck. Have a good one. We will see you probably in Las Vegas. Um, so, you know, I'm mean, again, like it's 420. There's Howard's still here. There's still writers here. The team lingered for a while. I believe they're still next door, they're probably. Still yeah. They're still they're partying. They're still partying. So, yeah, let's just kind of get into, uh, I've, you know, obviously just what this means from a legacy standpoint, but also just the post-game scene. And I, I'd almost start with, like, this one. You knew this one was going to hit because we've been around this, you know, climb back. But Steph Curry, let's just start with Steph 
on the court. There's still um, over a minute left, and he's crying. I didn't see it, but it looked like it might have been. But, like, to see the replay, it's like, yo, he was crying, crying. Yeah. And play is still going on. And he's, like, hugging his dad on the court while the play is still going on. And he was overcome. And there was a couple of moments where he kept putting his hands over his head, like, like he was in disbelief. Like, I can't believe this is happening. He had a couple free throws, like, you know, where fouling intentionally. He, before he goes to the line, he kind of walks under the basket with his hands under his head. And Draymond, for the last, like, real defensive stop, has to come grab him and say, hey, like, because he he's was, on the side, like, doubled over. He, he had to take his mouthpiece back out and put it back in because he tucked it. He thought it was done. Yeah, there was 103 left. I remember the exact time, and somebody on the Celtics was at the line, and Draymond had to come over, like, you got to, like, chip this guy on yeah, a box yeah, out here. Yeah, Draymond was like, it ain't over yet. And then, uh, then they cleared the bench, and that's where it was like, okay, this is done. And, it, and he really hit him. But, like, in that moment, you could see, like, this, this championship was not – built this year this is three years of in the making right this is this this championship run began watching toronto celebrate in the last game at oracle remember they 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 all came out and they watched it they didn't go back they watched it but they've been essentially aiming to get back here to this moment and prove they can do it and there's been so much talk and nobody's heard it more than Steph, who is constantly in these conversations about where he ranks and where he stands and constantly being slighted. But it was it was interesting to see it all hit him, right? For for a group of guys who've been saying, like, we know we can do this, we know we can do this, that moment was like, you can see they felt like, oh, man, we really did it. <laughs> like, we really pulled it off. Yeah, I mean, it's that. It's, it's the doubts. Uh, and I don't, I'm not talking about ex- external doubts. I'm talking about internal doubts over the last few years. There were several times, you know, if you're, if you're them, it's pretty obvious to just wonder if it's even possible to get back here. Um, what, what? And the other part, I mean, before we kind of get to the postgame scene, how about him going up 22 with still 18 minutes left in the game and pointing at the ring finger? That was bold by him and... I mean, he, he he sealed the deal, so it won't lead to any criticism. But it's, you know, when he does the night-night celebration, usually you're like, okay, there's like, you know, or you do the math, they're up 15 with, you know, two minutes left. Like, they're not losing. He did it up 22, but with 18 minutes left. You know what? I think, I think and I'm, I'm coupling this with game four, first quarter, when he's screaming at the fans way earlier than we ever thought we'd see him. I think he knew they couldn't guard him. I think he knew it. He knew as long as they can't guard me, we're going to beat this team. <laughs> like, I think he knew that. And there was a part, there was something happened in game three where they came back and it was like, okay, we can beat this team. And then Celtics got hot in the fourth quarter and it kind of fell apart. But something about that. I think Steph knew. He knew it. He does, He only does that when he knows it, right? Well, he, he only does a night-night when he knows it's over. Well, it's supreme confidence. Yeah, he. I, th- I just think he knew that he had felt the best that they had. Uh, he knew, like, even with the drop, even if they got out of the drop coverage and, and you know, pr- like trying to trap him and blitz him, I think he figured out, I still can get my shots on that. I still know what to do. But I think in the end, like, there was no doubt from Steph Curry he was the best player in the series. They could not guard him. 
And essentially, that means the series was in his hands. And I think he knew that. And we saw two examples of Curry talking trash way before it was over. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I, and I wonder how much of it has to do. You know it has to do some of it. But I wonder how much of it has to do with, you know, talk of him being a front runner and all that. But we've never seen him be out this early with his trash talk. But I think in his mind, he knew, like, they cannot guard me. Marcus Smart can't guard me. Or I can get away from Marcus Smart <laughs> and go cook whoever, whoever else I want. The other thing is, like, he was just so clearly the best player in this series. And, and, you know, part of that wasn't probably just, hey, I know they can't guard me, but it's like, hey, I know we can guard Jason Tatum. Yeah. You know, it's what he was thinking. And to me, they just – they solved this Celtics team. And I know, look, we there were times where it felt it's the bigger team, it's the younger team. It, in, in some ways, you felt like it might be the, – the Celtics might be the better team. But by the middle of this three-game win streak – to close it out, it became clear like Warriors had outsmarted them, you would say, um, out maneuvered them, out coached them. Uh, and I mean, like, they just they fully controlled this game six on the road. And like, at this point, after a 4 2 series win, like, that was pretty convincing. Yeah, it was, especially how it started, right? It was like 14 to 2. And, you know, interestingly enough, against the Celtics, right, of all teams. This was a team where their best punch did not hurt the war. Like, we've seen it, right? We've seen it. We've seen it beat them in fourth quarter. But they come into on the road in Memphis and Dallas, and they were done. Like, they got blitzed and it was over. It was 55 in Memphis. And in Dallas, like, it was 29 before the scrubs, like, made it interesting. But we've seen them kind of take that punch and wobble and be like, all right, we'll come back next game. But in game three and then tonight, they just they were like, yeah, nah, we'll take it, and then we, we'll answer. You know, I wonder how much of that is fatigue and, you know, how much of that is, like, the Celtics. And they, just, they, they just knew, man. They knew, and we've seen this before. This is literally how it happened in the Memphis series. They got down 2-1. They figured it out, won the series. They got down 2-1 against Cleveland, figured it out, and won the series. So then they get down 2-1. They win the next two. So it, make, it makes all the sense in the world why they came in here thinking, we got this because we've seen what happens when Steve Kerr figures the team out. Like, that's pretty much ball game. Yeah, okay, so I do want to kind of get to – well, first of all, what did you, you wrote about Steph, Clay, and Draymond and just what, just like what this meant from a legacy standpoint for those three? Yeah, and I basically put them in the pantheon with the other great trios, you know, Magic, Kareem, Worthy, Bird, Parrish, Mikhail. You know, I mean, even Jordan Pippen, Rodman, like they, you you got when you mention those, you got to mention these guys now. I mean, they they've won four championships, two of them without Kevin Durant, and just how improbable it all was. Like these dudes weren't supposed to be these dudes, right? Not them. And seventh pick, eleventh pick, thirty fifth, fifth pick, yeah. And there's just these dudes have forged an entire legacy, like. I mean, it's it's really crazy when you think about it. I was talking to Steph about it, and he just stopped. He looks, and he's like, come on, man. He's like, uh, you know, four years at Michigan State, Davidson, and Washington State. Like, Washington State. <laughs> right? Like, it is so random. But but that's what they did tonight. They ended every – they not only ended every conversation about whether or not their first championship was real or whether they're legit, but they're doing things that legends do. 
and they did it in Boston. You know, a place where nobody wins a championship except for the 85 Lakers. That's it. The 85 Lakers, the only team to win a title in Boston. And they just came in here and treated the Boston aura like it was like it was Memphis. <laughs> I mean, that, that's pretty impressive, though. Yeah, they went 2-1 and one in this series in Boston. Yeah, I mean, look, four titles, but also six final strips. And if you think about the two times they didn't win the title, it's the 73-win season, which is a historic season in its own right. Plus, they went to Game 7 of the finals, and, you know, there are various situations within that that, that you know, it almost went their way. And then the other one is the Toronto finals where KD gets the Achilles and Clay gets the ACL where, you know, I think we we'd all mostly agree like if they are fully healthy in that series you know that's that's probably a win so it's really six like title level seasons yeah, right. and, and four titles to show for it it probably feels like the correct amount like four um it's yeah i mean and the other thing and you know gets to a little bit of what i wrote about i wrote about more of i guess the management side the joe lake of the bob myers part of all this but um it doesn't just this doesn't seem like one last ride. This seems like the start of a like, you know, Bulls second time. I'm not the Vegas has labeled them the favorites next season. I I'm not sitting here thinking like another three peat is on the way, but the window's open. I mean, you could see some of these young players walking around like you you know who thinks the window's wide open? Jordan Poole. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins, right? Kaminga, even. Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman is like <laughs> James Wiseman was walking around like, hey, you mean James Wiseman, NBA champ? Yeah, right, <laughs> NBA champ, James Wiseman. They they are looking at this like, hey, and and we were just starting, right? That that's how they're looking at. It. We we're yeah. just starting this. Uh, there, there's talk about you know I'm talking to people who are like, yo, Steph's gonna play till he's forty, right? Like he <laughs> he's seeing this and he's like, yo, let's go. Um, and like, if you start imagining there's a better version of clay on the other side of this, right over, well, you know, they've said he's going to be like, as he gets more time under his belt, he's going to like, the body's going to feel better and he's going to play better defensively particular. That's cause that's where he's probably felt weakest compared to his old form. And he was good defensively in this series. He was great. Especially these last three games, it's the shot that you know betrayed him a bit, uh, and I think that's a bit of thirst, right? He's just thirsty for him. He's hunting, and that's also clear. Like he goes hot and cold up with the shot, but like I just didn't know we'd see that level of playoff defense from him ever again. And I wouldn't say it was prime Clay Thompson, but like he was like a, a positive defensive player in the series for sure. No question, especially the last three games. Uh, you start putting the seeing this together. Uh, there's talk of how this. This might unlock a new level of Andrew Wiggins, right? Where, you know, now his whole his whole DNA is different now because he just won a championship and was a critical player for them, right? You know, so all so two what two plus years of them trying to get it out of him and 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 prod him and then show him the way, and now he's like you know Neo when he realized he was the one in the Matrix. He's like, oh, if Wiggins has that, if he can become that. I mean, these are pillars for another run. That don't mean you're going to win it, right? Obviously, we've it's seen It's just it. a contending window. Yes, it's just that they're, they're in the mix. Like, and here's what we knew. I mean, we said this on the pod for two years now, right? Like, even before it was a matter of win a championship. If you get this team into the playoffs with Steph, Clay, and Draymond healthy, like, now you just now you got to beat them. Who can actually beat them? 
right? And th- there were even some teams we thought might could beat them. But they just ran through the playoffs, <laughs> right? And nobody could beat them. Still, after all these years, nobody could beat them. Nobody took them to seven. Nobody took them to seven, which is a crazy thought. That they've been to well, they had two seven game series since twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. They went five six five no, six. No, they, that's playoffs. right. Houston, Houston. They took them to seven. In OKC, OKC took them to seven, and obviously Cleveland took them to seven. Three, three during eight. Like that's well, it. and Toronto beat them in six. Are we? No, no, I just took them. Yeah, the teams that beat them, okay. but yeah, it's just it, they're just so tough to beat. Like, you got to be great to beat them. And we knew that it's, it's, it's a puncher's chance that is more than just a puncher's chance. They proved that, like, this is a legitimate thing. You have to beat them. Uh, and the, the other interesting part about this run is you did see some flaws in them, right? Which means now they, they kind of know where to shore up what they need. So now if they have some contingency plans for when Draymond's not playing well – when Clay's not playing well, even when Steph is not playing well, or you need him to sit, right? You've kind of got some contingency plans, which only makes them even better. Uh, I love you see Clay was talking about he's going to retweet Jaron Jackson Jr.'s strength in numbers, right? <laughs> that, I mean, but they might be bringing it back though. You start throwing in Kaminga, Moody, and and see who they can keep as you know a free agency. So that goes along the lines again, and kind of what I was writing where. Um you know, I got Bob and Joe, and the story will be up on the website, but, you know, basically saying, like, we're going to try to bring people back. Um, it's going to get expensive. Who they, they got to bring back? Who, who's a must? Looney. Looney. Especially with the Wiseman situation. I mean, Wiseman's basically a rookie in his third season. Plus, you just can't – I mean, if somebody offers Looney a bunch of money, okay. Like, I get it. Somebody want to give him two for 40? Two for 40? I'm just saying, like, it's got to be a crazy number for you to not match on Looney. I'm just saying, for what he's meant to the franchise. What, you are, what are Mike Brown's Sacramento Kings or Kenny Atkinson's Charlotte Hornets willing to offer <laughs> a defensive anchor? Exactly. I feel like, man, Looney's earned the right for a, a decent contract and a comeback. So, I, to me, man, I just can't imagine you parting with Looney after after paying Kelly Oubre. <laughs> So, I mean, the big questions are Looney, Gary Payton the Gary second. Gary Payton the second is the other one I think you you got to figure out a way to keep. Yeah, that's unrestricted. I would say Bitcoin, but. Yeah, that's yeah. unrestricted free agency. Then the other big questions are, you know, Wiggins extension looms um, and what he's earned Jordan in these Poole. playoffs. Jordan Poole, who to me, you know, I know Jordan Poole's probably the one that's been talked about the most, but he's the one that, like, you almost can figure out last because it's extension eligibility on a rookie year. He's under contract next season, and even if he goes to free agency, it's restricted free agency. The Draymond extension decision is is kind of a looming uh, topic, I guess. But but you know Peyton and, and Looney are the unrestricted. But they made a ton of money in these playoffs, uh, and, and they're gonna make a ton more. Yeah, and it's just also what I wrote about. The, you know, kind of somewhat of the validation of the win now, develop now plan, not at least the one side of it. And and I go back to a conversation I had with Joe Lacob after the draft. You know, they draft Kaminga and Moody. And basically that was the loudest stamp of like, we're not only not trading 
you know, these prime assets, the two lottery picks in a loaded draft for veteran help, which is probably what the Stars wanted. But they're also remember it was like Davion Mitchell, Chris Duarte. Like, could they go? Could they go get win they now get, pieces? The old young players. Yeah. yeah, it was like no two teenagers with like high upside that need to be developed. So to that add to your other yeah. basically teenager. <laughs> so that was like to me that was the like. I guess, like, real big checkpoint this season where they said, no, we are doing this ambitious plan that, you know, if it does, doesn't work out this season, they're going to get pretty heavily criticized for. Um, but part of their rationale on that, I remember Joe Lake have said it at the time, I did kind of what became a controversial interview with him afterwards where he basically said one of the quotes, which I put in my story tonight, was, if we don't win it, yes, I believe we can win it all, is what he said when I asked him still. And he said, and if we don't, like, blame Steph Curry, blame Clay Thompson, blame Draymond Green. He said blame himself, blame Bob Myers, and then he said and blame Andrew Wiggins. I remember even people at the time, like, Andrew Wiggins. He's roping Andrew Wiggins into that. Yes. But his belief was, like, look, I've paid four maxes. Those four max players need to be, be good enough. Yeah. And where they were correct... And they, you know, they they say it now, but also if you go back, he said it then, is that their belief is that Andrew Wiggins was the fourth star. And Andrew Wiggins in these playoffs was probably their second best player, certainly in the last two rounds. I mean, is that not the ultimate flex, though? I mean, jeez, Andrew Wiggins was incredible for (laughs) – I mean, look, no, like – Two years last year, they were just begging the dude to take over the second unit. Like it was like, yo, can you be more aggressive? Like, can you to the point where it's like, all right, never mind, never mind. Jordan Poole, the second unit is yours, <laughs> right? Like that. They went from that to this dude literally being, I mean, pivotal. Not just like a not like a good player. Like they don't win the series without him. They're not in the finals without him, right? Currently, like Jason Tatum's over there having like somber press conferences as the, as the internet is going. Like Jason Wiggins locks you up. Is shot. Like it's shot. It's done. Like he can't wait for the season to start again because he's gonna hate us all summer because of Andrew Wiggins. He's yo. gonna be watching film of these finals when it's like twenty two in his grill. No, nah, it's like it's unbelievable. And you know what? If I were them, I'd probably flex even harder because you know, I mean, they called it. They called that Wiggins would fit like this. I do think, and I did mention this in my piece, I do think that's also a credit to, like, Steph, Clay, Draymond, and how they play, how they bring dudes in. And if you just show them, like, yo, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do what, you, what it takes. Then you can fit with them, right? Like, it, it, can, it can ride. And, and the crazy part is Wiggins has shown that the entire time. And... To his credit, but man, like that, that might be, you start listing like the top 10 moves in Warriors history. Dude, the, the Wiggins acquisition is going to be way up there because it actually produced a championship. Yeah. And Jonathan Kaminga. I mean, if Kaminga becomes. If Kaminga becomes. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. If I was Joe, dude, I'd be butt naked on top of TD Garden talking about, I told you. Uh, he wasn't butt naked, but he had he had the champagne dress. He was limping tonight, by the way. He, he he's dealing with something. But um, Bob Myers was closer to butt naked than Joe. Lake. Bob Myers is barefoot. I actually put that my lead in my uh, stories. Bob Myers, he was barefoot he walking around. Off his, I was like, dude, what the hell kind of suit you had on that you can't get champagne showered for a title? How many suits do you have? 
Like he was like, nah, I couldn't, I can't get that suit wet. So he put on a short, shorts and a t-shirt to go into the locker room. He was basically seemed like he was at a summer pool party. Yes, he had the towel over his shoulder. Right? Yeah, towel over his shoulder, like almost like a pool shirt, yeah. some like like athletic short pants, and like straight up barefoot wa- walking around the barefoot. parquet floor, like doing interviews. By the way, he's like doing interviews on NBA TV. He's the only dude whose suits are too good for a championship shower. And so I walked over to him, and he's like, you know, he's got the champagne like flowing through the hair, and he's sitting there. I thought he had because he had a, uh, I guess you call it a chalet because Steve Kerr who called it a chalice, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Steve Kerr came over and was like, "You got a gold chalet," and he had what looked like a champagne bottle. I was like, "Oh, not like nice." Like you got Moet or something? It was Michelob Ultra. Michelob, yes. And Steve poured it in the cup like it was some fancy one. The way he gripped it, like he was popping bottles. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Bob kind of like fumbled it and, sp- and spilled Hella Michelob Ultra on the free throw line. And I was just like sitting there like, damn, like it's kind of like, you know, when you mentioned like the storylines, even I think it was Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe at Media Day yesterday was like, asking Tatum and Brown like you don't want them celebrating in your building you know that's like kind of as part of the lead up like you know and sometimes that kind of stuff's overblown like oh they're celebrating your building but at that moment I was like no straight up they're like pouring Michelob Ultron like Lucky's face Yo, right literally now. that that was a version of F your couch huh? they just had their feet all <laughs> it was it was wild you know who was kind of turnt by the way many people many people but man Steph was so lit <laughs> Oh. I thought you were going to say Seth Cooper, the G League coach, yeah, who's Seth an assistant Cooper, coach. Yeah. He was smoking a cigar. It looked like he was on like IG Live or something. I was like, well, they get wild in, in hey, the garden. Santa Cruz is going down. Yeah, but Steph was definitely – Steph was more turnt than Draymond, believe it or not. I think Draymond – Draymond was so like – Draymond was subdued. Yes, he was calm. He was like very – he was really nice. Like he was like – you know, people asking him interviews, he's like, sure. And, you know, he wasn't like – rambunctious i was like he must be saving it for his pod but or the parade or the parade but yeah it was steph steph was going crazy man he had a cigar he was lit he was talking crazy he was yelling every time he could i was like yo steph is out here turn it was interesting to see it wasn't i I hope steph leans towards kobe and just starts saying what he wants 
that those final years of Kobe. I, I hope now he's got four championships that he's like, man, I don't care anymore. Just say, just I'm just gonna say what I want, but make sure you say it all to me. He's been pretty good this season. Oh yeah, he he, he as has, a quote, he has been. You know, he he's getting, he's getting old, man. He he's basically a senior citizen in the NBA, and senior citizens don't care about what they say. So he, he's far less guarded. I mean, he's out here with 18 minutes left, <laughs> tapping his finger for the, like, give me my ring, like Aaron Donald to the Boston crowd. Oh man. Well, why why does he not care? By the way, the Celtics went on like a twelve zero run, like yeah, right after, right after, <laughs> and it was like, yo, what? That I, would be like the meme of the century if they lost the series. It would be that. the new version of remember when he uh, the roundabout pass in twenty sixteen. It would be the new version of that, like oh, but you know, I, he's a completely different player, and he was in complete control in this series, and like even in this game, you know what he was doing that was interesting that I thought that told me how he was thinking. Like, most of the series when Marcus Smart gets on him, like, he doesn't mess around with the ball. He, like, calls for the screen. Like, gets him. I mean, he was, like, messing with the ball around Smart. Like, I'm just going to stand here. You're not not getting the ball. A couple times Smart got his hands on the ball. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he was willing to do it was, to me, was like, oh, he ain't worried about Marcus Smart anymore. And if he ain't worried about Marcus Smart, that's it. Because that's the only guy where he's like, okay, I might, I might have, I might, I got to be secure with this guy. But it, once he was doing that, like dribbling to the trap corner and holding the ball, like when Marcus Smart on him, I was like, oh yeah, he has, he has definitely solved the matrix. Um, this, this was up there in Draymond Green's best games ever tonight, uh, just because, you know, the moment we know what the Boston matchup was for him, the difficulty of, of what they presented. And just the way he controlled the game defensively, so many like tips, steals, deflections. I thought he was so locked in mentally. At one point, I saw him come out to. Uh, he was talking. I think it, it was the Clay, I believe, when Clay had two fouls. It was like late in the first half, and he's coming over. Clay's like, "Hey, you got two. You know, don't foul." He. Um, there was a point in the fourth where Steph was looking tired, and he he was telling Steve to call a timeout. He was just like, he was in full mental and physical control of the game. And he hit three jumpers. You know, he hits two threes. He hits that top of the key, which felt it was was a big mid-range jumper. Uh, You know, I think he finished with something like 12, 10, and 8. A couple steals, a couple blocks. but points are like 24. You got to multiply them by two (laughs) just because they they mean that much. Uh, Draymond was incredible. Like, even pushing it. Like he, you know, he was really smart about how he was doing it, picking when he'd go all the way, picking when he stopped at the free throw line. Uh, you know what else he had a better? He was better at uh, battling with Robert Williams, and some of that is probably, I mean, God bless Robert Williams, man. He's <laughs> he's out there. I hope he's not jeopardizing his career. I was gonna say, are we gonna hear like I some really like hope. surgery needed, or you I know? I really hope he didn't at least ruin next season. But man, like Draymond was definitely more aggressive with the blockouts and contesting at the rim. Like, he was there. Like, his length, I think one of the sneaky things about Draymond, people always underestimate how long his arms are. But Boston is so tall and athletic, it kind of didn't matter. But it felt like it mattered, especially to Jason Tatum when he's driving. Like, Draymond was in – he was incredible. It was his best defensive game. And he had kind of picked it up, but this was his best defensive game. Like, he was lights out. Jalen Brown could not get around him this time. Like it was like, yo, he was he was on point, and that's to me where they were like, 
we're going to win this game. I, I just think they knew that Boston just didn't have anything for them, especially once they jumped out to the lead. Next thing you know, they were losing. They went on this run, and it was like, what was it, 12-0? What? Which one? It was like Draymond three, Steph and three. It was eleven zero. It was eleven zero to end the first quarter, which included yeah the the Draymond three. Um, you that, know that's the part the Steph thing. You could just see it on the Celtics bench, and you could hear it in the crowd. But he had missed this. He had missed nine, and then his first three, and then get in transition. Remember, he's driving. He gets in the air. Gets kind of stuck. Dumps it off to Gary Payton. And you could see for a split second, like he was running to the corner. Boss is like, oh, yeah. But they were too late. He has to step back three from the corner. And you could just see like Ime and them. And they were just like, it was almost like they were thinking, we can't let him get one. Because if he gets one, it's over, right? Like he's going to do it. And you could just hear it in the crowd. Like especially after Draymond's three, it was like, oh, this dude hit three nails. And then you get Steph unlocked. You could just hear it in them. They were like, oh, this, this is a rap, buddy. But that, that Celtics bitch. They were they were they were definitely depressed after that one. Great Steve Kerr series, um, you know, and I just beyond Steve Kerr, I just think you really felt the veteran nature of their coaching staff in these playoffs this season. I mean, Mike Brown running the defense when they handed it back over to him. I mean, I don't know how many of these players need to just continue to talk about you know his influence. Yeah. Um, Kenny Atkinson, you know, obviously he injected some of the analytics approach to this team this season he was Jonathan Kaminga's you know coach a lot of times from a developmental perspective and you know he kind of brings a different energy different like kind of gravitas to the bench I mean how good is their staff they have two former head coaches who got head coaching jobs this month um and then all led you know kind of captain by Kerr who I just he just seems so in control right now uh or at least in these playoffs he did I mean I really think the previous two years like, not only did Kerr needed him, he used him. Like, he benefited from them. Remember 15, the 1550 year? You know, they got, like, D'Angelo Russell and Glenn Robinson, just dudes they're never going to win with. And they're, like, running the same sets right there. By the way, <laughs> Kerr loved Glenn Robinson. Oh, he loved it. I thought he was coming back because Kerr loved him so much. They're out there just, like, running the same stuff. It's Kai Bowman running a point. They're, they're doing the same stuff, and it's like, why are you doing this with these guys? They're not going to win. But it was almost like Steve was still like his, like he was trying to operate in the manner that he did when he got a team that was basically championship ready. I think 15 and 50. And then the following year where they, you know, struggled and got to the play in, I think it showed Steve, like he had to be more hands-on. I'll never forget. Remember Draymond chucks that, against San Antonio he chucks that like half court shot and Steve's like I probably should have told him that they don't foul (laughs) right it's moments like that where Steve where I I think because for so long he was coaching superstars his team was loaded that it was so much more about managing those guys especially what we now know about the unhappiness it was more about managing those guys and once you throw them on the court, they had the like excellence to win. But I think he learned and he grew as a game manager, right? As as a guy who steals from the margins, right? Like who can coach without the great room for error. Uh, like I think he I think he grew as that type of coach. I think last year with guys like Kelly Oubre, right, and <laughs> just. You know, a Brad Wanamaker. Well, and the and the Wiseman and thing. Wiseman, absolutely. Where it's like, yo, you have to literally 
manage these dudes. Like, you can't presume they know anything. Like, they haven't won before. You have to be on top of them. And I really do think that helped. It helped with Jordan Poole. It helped with Andrew Wiggins, right? It helped him, like, realize, like, even Steph, Draymond, and Clay aren't automatic machines anymore, right? Like, uh, yeah, he has to coach Draymond yeah, in certain ways. Absolutely. Clay, too, right? Oh, the, the, when Clay came back, and, like, it was awkward for a while when, like, Clay was just so overly eager to, like, get his offensive game back. And, like, remember, Poole's rhythm was completely thrown off. And, like, you know, kind of navigating that situation was, was difficult. Steph's rotation patterns and getting him to buy into that, eventually knowing that it would go back. And remember when he finally, in L.A., chose, like, Okay, we can go back oh, yeah, finally. Yeah, yeah. And Steph like, was like, "Remember they lost, right?" He was like, "The good thing out of this is when I get my." The funny thing is, when it first happened, and I think you got the same sense as me talking to Steph. He kind of thought, "All right, a couple of weeks with this," and it was like four months later. <laughs> he was like, exactly. "It was like four weeks or four anyway." Um, but I just thought, it, just the management of the season, the way they came in and immediately. Um, Remember how good they were in the preseason? Oh yeah. And I remember after the first preseason game, he delivers that whole we're we're uh, we're chasing, chasing wins this wins season. This year, yeah. But just the way he prioritized the veterans right away. When I mean, we, there were times in preseason where you're like, dude, play the rookies. Like this is the time to play the rookies. But it was like, no, establish a rotation, show the team that you know Bielitsa yeah, matters. Yeah, I don't that, know about that yeah, on this show too, right? <laughs> yeah. So I just think that led him into that 18 and two start. And then the other thing is, and some of it was due to all the injuries, the ins and outs, but he just found so many lineup combinations, different roles for guys to the point that, like, they got to the playoffs and, like, it just felt like, you know, you could toss a Moses Moody in because he'd been there in certain situations. Gary Payton, you know, he was just – the way he, you know, would change up starting lineups, like – Kevon Looney's playing the best basketball of his career, but he just felt late in the series it was wise to kind of toggle up the rotation. So Porter's starting, and it did seem to kind of screw with Boston's rotation because it was like, you know, Looney was still going to play as many or more minutes. Porter was still going to play the same amount of minutes. They were just going to come at the start of the half. You know what was happening, too, what Boston was doing was essentially going small when the Warriors would go big. So they were bringing in Kavon with Derek White, and, and they're sitting in. They're, they're bringing in Derek White and sitting Robert Williams. So it kind of and and you know Looney's in there to rebound. Is I just I'm just presuming it's much easier to rebound without <laughs> Robert Williams in there. <laughs> but you could see like how they were essentially kind of getting the matchups they wanted. I, I know Game Six was a rough one for Kavon, but also I do think it sets him up to be able to end the game. Right, like you, you, he. If you need him, and he's proven to be reliable, like you got him there at the end of the game to to go with without him getting an early foul trouble or whatever like that. Yeah, and then you go series by series. Beyond how you know it did seem like he really coached the regular season well. Uh, Denver series, their schemes against like you know kind of let Jokic go off, control the others, work. They they kind of easily cruise through that series. Memphis series, I thought he was much better than Jenkins. Jenkins had a weird series, especially though since you know he missed those games, right? Like I think Mike Brown not being there showed you like just the difference of Steve Kerr, like in his and just the pecking order where like yeah. Mike Brown needs to be the one like kind of running the defense. And, and, and to me, West Finals was, like, probably their best coaching series. Like, the way they were just going defense to defense to defense and um, really yeah, threw – Back and forth, yeah. Really threw Doncic. How many times we see them throw two fists in the air? Like, 
in that series, it yeah, was insane. Like, like, but then the other thing is, like, when we talk about coaching adjustments, they tried zone very early in the series, and we're like, doesn't work. When, when's the last time you saw Mike Brown throw two fists in the exactly, air? They just didn't right. do it in this Boston series. So it just it was just a really good, well-coached season by Steve Kerr. Just, yeah, well-coached season. And, like, what he was able to get out of Wiggins. I mean, think about – and, look, I'm I'm been critical of some of these guys, like, on the record. Just him being able to throw Bielitsa into a series where he was not even playing, was not expected to play, yeah. right? You, you, like, guys got to be ready for that. Even now, if you look at the end of this series, right? I mean, first off, the, the Jordan Poole's year has been a roller coaster. Like, we know Jordan felt like, hey, man, I, should be, I shouldn't be taking a back seat. I got us here, right? But you look how this series ended. Jordan Poole's not finishing these games, right? Like, it, it's Gary Payton. You know, to me, that, to me, Steve Kerr's greatest ability is how he manages the locker room, how he gets guys to, like, stay on board, and how somehow or another – like his, he finds a way to keep those end of the bench guys engaged, right? Like, it's it's crazy sometimes, but it it his little philosophy proved everything. Once Bielitsa came into the series, you're like, what are you doing? And he was good. And do you see him in this series against Jason Tatum? It's like, how is he doing? Do they resign Bielitsa? I don't. Know. I mean, I think you could really. I do think you could. I th- I'm not saying like they're probably drafting another rookie twenty eighth, and like but you I know. Do think- it's, if you got a veteran spot open, you probably go with a more true center. Just a third center. Do you? I know, right? I, I mean, know. if a formula works, I mean, how about I mean, Otto or, Porter, I, by I, the I way? I was thinking you could use Otto Porter's spot with that if you're presuming you're going to get more minutes out of the rookies. I would say roster spots most vulnerable are probably JTA, Damian Lee. Yeah, but I also, I mean, they probably need a few more of those guys. Yeah. I don't know. That's, this is a conversation. Yeah, this is a conversation for another yeah, day. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> um, you know, and with just to wrap up the Kerr-Myers conversation, it's funny they were out on the court post game in the conversation that we, we were talking about earlier, but they started talking about one of them said, I, I think Steve said to Bob, oh, it's so much, so much better to clinch on the road. Uh, you know, because they were talking about, uh, you know, if it's at home, guys celebrate quick, but then they go home. Everyone kind of goes their separate ways. But he's like, oh, on the road, we can, you know, come out here, celebrate. There's less distractions than we they went. And they currently, I don't know, at this point, it's about 5 a.m., but they're probably still partying mm-hmm. together. But it was what was funny was they were, like, laughing and debating it. And I said something about, I was like, you know, it was probably good to at least close once in Oracle just to have that moment where you close an Oracle. They're like, yeah. That was good, but you know, and then they started comparing Cleveland to Boston, like yeah. clinching here, and then they're like, Kerr just looked at me and said, first world first problems. First world problems, baby. <laughs> and Where would you prefer to clinch? Yes. This I, is the third I city. I thought you were going to tell the other story we heard right then. No, I'm not. <laughs> I was about to be like, wow, you going to really tell that? It okay. is 5 a.m. I'm a little delirious, <laughs> but I, that, that one I will not. Um, any final thoughts before uh get us out of here? Final thoughts. Um like Gary Payton the second and Andrew Wiggins should not be eating in the Bay Area, not be paying to eat in the Bay Area for a long time. <laughs> like 
By the way, they were incredible. By the way, Jordan Poole too. Like, what a playoffs! I know this was a tough series for him. He actually figured it out late in this series, and like had, had huge impact the last three wins. Like in in short spurts, big shots, offensive juice. They were plus twenty one in his first like seven plus minutes. Twenty three in his first seven minutes. Right. I thought his threes were back. Like, because remember they they were they were up fourteen to two. Boston was, and this was it. Right. Like this was your last hurrah. And you're putting all this energy into stopping Steph. You got Clay scuffling a little bit at that point. And it's like, what are the Warriors going to do? And they bring in Jordan Poole and bang, bang. Like, he makes three of his first four threes. And he it's had 11 like, pretty quick. Yeah, I'm just like, what? He had the drive with the little flip, and he missed a couple. But it's just like, how do you keep coming? Jordan Poole makes you feel like, Jeez, like they just keep bringing in dudes we can't guard, right? Like it's just there's no release, there's no let up. I thought he was great in the series in limited minutes. He didn't play. Did he play the entire second quarter? I think, I think he put him in. I mean, the entire first quarter. He came in towards the end. He came in when it and, turned. Yeah, and then the third quarter, I don't think he played to the end. I think, I think they he was got, riding GP two. Well, I think they got to the point that they were like up a significant yeah, yeah. amount. They're like win it with defense, yeah, you know, and that's. But it's like for him to sit all that time, he was playing well, and then to come back in and still kind of get after it, like that was – I mean, he was impressive in just how he, you know, well, he grew. Yes. He matured. I agree. I mean, the whole playoffs. I mean, he yeah. started the first round and basically kept Steph Curry as a sixth man for a while because he was playing so well. Um, you look at their eight guys they played now, and we can kind of wrap here. But um, the three main stars, you know, Draymond, Clay, Steph – Looney, who we haven't even mentioned enough, but, like, the playoffs he had were insane. I mean, the 22-rebound game against Memphis to close out the Grizzlies. I mean, saving performances. He had Mavericks fans, like, squealing for a Kavon Looney by the time that that Dallas series was over. Uh, I mean, better than Draymond for the first half of this series. Oh, yeah, I no mean, question. the game four that they I mean, won. He got benched. He got Draymond benched. <laughs> yeah, he, like. did, he did. <laughs> so, you know, that's the fourth. The fifth starter's Wiggins. We've talked about his playoffs. So that's five starters who all you're coming out going of these playoffs like great, you know, uh, performances. And then there are three bench players tonight, Peyton, um, Poole, and Porter. Four. Yeah, I Andre, guess. Andre well, uh, put him in Yeah, what would you think about the Iguodala like final 60 seconds? I thought, I mean, I wrote about it. I, I thought it was very interesting how Celtics pulled their starters and Steve didn't, and it was like, it was like a hat tip to the big three. It was like, hey, y'all got us here. You finish it out. You be on the court for this. And then I, I text Steve because I forgot to ask him. I was like, no way he's going to respond at the party. But he did. But he was like, yeah, he thought Andre deserved to be out there with him. Like, they were going to win this championship, and they did this. They put in the work, and they should be on the court when it's official. So he put Andre in to spend that last minute. It might have been the last minute of his career. I was just about to ask you. I mean, neither of us know for sure, but would you guess? No, that's I, it? Yeah, I think he's. I think that's it. Uh, Andre Andre's got some huge, huge things he's doing, and I don't know if being on the end of a bench is one of them. Man, they could use him though. You see, like the lectures he's given throughout the series. Him on the coaching staff, yeah. But I just think, man, Andre's like he could be Mike Brown. He could take Mike Brown's seat tomorrow. If he if he does that, Andre would be. I mean, he could probably do both, but. Like he his designs are just huge. Like they're not assistant coach plans. <laughs> right. But. You are correct. But all right. Well, uh we need to get out hey, of here. Good season. Good season. 
you did great this year. Can I get a can I get a mid level exception or something? Bro, you're already getting the max. You want the mid level <laughs> exception too? Uh, we will talk to you. I don't know. At some point, you know, we got drafts coming next week. Free agency after that. So we'll talk to you. At next some point. plus minus will be from a parade float. Mm, maybe talk to you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.